to cross over, cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. It actually covered 300,000 square miles. The land that God showed Moses, the land that God promised to Abraham, covered a territory of over 300,000 miles. It's a huge, huge area. Look at verse number 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Say, be with me. I will, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse number 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse number 7. Everyone say, be strong. Say, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Everyone say successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Verse number 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Go through the camp and tell all the people. Get ready. Everyone say get ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. The Lord your God is giving for you. Everyone say, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. The battle begins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your great grace. Lord, I believe that your power and your presence is here this morning. And God, our church of focus this week that we come alongside with this Central Baptist Church on 46 and Airport Boulevard. We are so grateful for Pastor Alan Brumbach. We are so thankful for this man of God who has come to this community to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and to make your name famous. And we pray the blessing of the Lord over Central Baptist Church. We thank you for other churches that are like-minded and seeing the name of Jesus become famous in our community and city. And God, now we ask for your people that are here today. We pray blessing upon them. God, I pray that you'll give them an ear to hear. Give them a spiritual ear to hear. And God, I pray that you'll... Help me to communicate this truth. I need you. Thank you that you are with us today, that you are leading and guiding us. And God, that you created us to be prosperous and successful. In Jesus, your wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Here's my one big idea. Here's my one big idea today. I want you to hear this. Victory is for those who stay in faith through life's battles. Victory is for those who stay in faith through life's battles. Have you ever had a really scary moment in your life? You ever, come on, anybody? You know, we probably had more than one or two, you know, in our lives. I, I remember it was February of 1989. I was starting a brand new job. And uh, my boss, the, or the, my boss had saved a special assignment for me because the previous uh, employee that was working in my position didn't want to do it. I was managing apartments. It was in Kirkland, Washington. My wife and I had just moved to Seattle so that I could finish Bible college. And I got this job of, a ma- of managing apartments. I had 56 apartments that I was the manager of. It was in a great location. It was right down in the waterfront. If you know anything about the Northwest or about the Seattle area, it was right down on Lake Washington. Lake Washington 
is a famous lake in the Northwest. It's where all the billionaires live. It's where the owner of Costco and Microsoft, Bill Gates, and all these people live around this huge lake there in the Northwest. And, uh, and um, these apartments that he had built were located right on the waterfront. They were great. It was a great school job. I got free rent, free utilities, plus I got paid, and I still got to go to school. It was just a really cool job. And, but my very first assignment was one of these assignments that you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> there had been uh, one of the uh, residents that, uh, that was, uh, had formerly played for the Seattle Seahawks. He was a, a very large gentleman. He was, you know, I was probably you know, 140 pounds at the time, and he was probably 340 pounds at the time. And my first assignment was to tell him that he was not allowed to have a large Doberman pincher in a cage inside of his apartment. It was a no-pet apartment complex. And my first job was to go knock on his t- door and tell him the dog had to leave. <laughs> uh, I said, you want to do what? <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, it's your first assignment. You've got to go down and tell the guy that the dog's got to leave. And so I remember just thinking, you know, here's the thing about fear. Fear always imagines the very worst. Isn't that right? You're always imagining the worst, thinking the worst. And I kept thinking, this guy is going to pummel me. Then he's going to stick the dog on me. Then he's going to throw me over the side of the balcony. I mean, it's just going to be, it's all over. I don't have a chance. And so I remember walking up to this apartment complex, and I'm going up the flight of stairs, and I'm thinking, wow, this is good. Do I really want to do this? And so everything I got, I got up there, and I just prayed in the Holy Ghost. How you know I prayed? And then I knocked on the door, and he opened the door, and he was smiling. And I said, and I mean, with as much boldness as I could pull in myself, I said, uh, Mr. Payton, I said, uh, do you have a dog in this apartment? And he said, uh, yeah. I said, you know you're not allowed to have that dog here, sir. And he said, I'm going to have to ask you to have that dog leave. And he just smiled. I mean, when he smiled, I knew I was okay. <laughs> he invited me into the house, and he told me, you know, sit down. We had a small little chat, and he said, okay, I'll take care of the dog. <laughs> My fears were relieved. You know, the fact is today we all have fear. I mean... All of us have something in our life that causes fear. If you're a parent today, one of your worst fears is something could happen to your child. And if you're married today, one of the worst fears you could have is that you wouldn't be able to provide for your family. I mean, the fact is there's something in your life that can cause you fear. I mean, all of us have it. And generally, fears in our life are something that we want to avoid. Something that we want to pull back from. Challenges that every person have in our life is the decision that we make to keep moving forward no matter what takes place in our life. And it's a decision. We've gone through the first several weeks of the story. We actually started in creation and we saw how man messed up this perfect place called paradise that God created. The entrance of sin into the world. But God had a promise. God had a promise even there in the very, in the very beginning that the seed of the woman who would become the Messiah would crush the head of the serpent. And we move from that part of the story into the part of God forming a nation where God speaks to a man by the name of Abram. I mean, anyone, anyone in their life who steps out and does something they've never done before in a positive way to make a difference has certain apprehensions. And Abraham, he stepped out. He heard the voice of God. God said, Abraham, I want you to go. I want to make you a great nation and I want to bless you. And on that word from God, Abram stepped out. And we move from the life of Abram, the founding of this spiritual nation that we call people of faith, which you and I are part of 4,000 years later. We move to a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph had some tough breaks in life. His brothers didn't like him, sold him into slavery. 
When he, you know, when he was a slave, he started prospering because he began to understand that this thing wasn't about him and he had a faith and trust in God and he began to prosper while, while he was still in captivity as a slave and he became very powerful, but then he was falsely accused of trying to rape his boss's wife and he was thrown into prison and got another bad break and there in prison, God began to bless him because he began to see that his life was not about himself and he served God no matter where he was at. And even in prison, he got a bad break. But eventually, eventually, God elevated him to become the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, the most powerful nation of his generation. And the cool thing about Joseph is he understood that all this stuff, all the battles of life weren't about him. He told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good so that many could be saved. Joseph understood that. And then we moved to Moses, the great deliverer. We talked about Moses for the last couple of weeks. And Christina, last week on Mother's Day, did an incredible job talking about how Moses had to lead these whiny, complaining group of people. And the fact is today, the tendency when stuff gets difficult in our life, is there's a tendency to think that, oh, why me? How come? This is so unfair. This is so hard. The fact is we all have stuff in life. Every person in this room has a battle. Everyone has something. Over the last couple of months, what we've been going through as a family, I wouldn't wish on anyone in this room. It hasn't been easy. It's been a great challenge. And my wife has this saying that she uses all the time now. She goes, everyone has something. Everyone. Everyone in this room, we've got something we're working through. We've got a battle. We've got a challenge. We've got an obstacle. We've got some problem. And as we look to the story of Joseph, As we look through this story, we see something about this guy. Moses represents the next generation. Everyone say next generation. This thing is all about the next generation. Moses had, uh, Joshua had been Moses' aide. I mean, Joshua had seen Moses make some incredible decisions. Joshua had been with Moses when he crossed the Red Sea and, you know, and he was there in Pharaoh's court and demanding that the people be let go. I mean, Joshua watched Moses do some incredible things as he followed and obeyed the Lord. But Moses made a mistake. One thing that I've discovered about leadership in life, and anyone that you work for, there's always something that you can learn from someone. Generally good and something bad. There's something to learn to do, and there's something to learn not to do. And what Joshua learned from Moses to do was to seek God, to pray, to trust and to believe. But what he also learned is not to disobey. Because Moses' disobedience at one point of his life cost him, cost him from going in to the land that God had promised him. Disobedience is a very, very, very fearful thing because it can sidetrack us. Joshua knew that God had called him. Joshua had saw the promised land for himself. Joshua had gone into the promised land with 12 other spies. And he was different. He believed. Others didn't believe. The fact is today you are here because something in you believes. You're not here today, you know. I mean, there are millions of people in America that didn't go to church because they don't really believe they need it. The fact is today something inside of you said, you know what, I need it today. I need the presence of God. I need to experience worship. I need to be with other believers. I need to hear a word of encouragement. Joshua was different because he knew that this thing was all about the next generation. Let me tell you today, folks, This thing is not about you. This thing is not about you. This thing is all about us living our life to make a difference in the next generation. If you're a young person today, you're setting your course. You're setting your course. So many people, 
want to be happy in our culture today. People are looking for happiness and they're experimenting with this and trying to find it here and trying to do that and build this and go here. And the fact is, there's really a very, very simple formula for happiness in our life. Number one is to serve God. It's to love God. It's to just love Him with all your heart. The second thing is to serve God and your generation. To serve God. To serve God means that you serve other people. You give your life away. You're in a spiritual battle today. You're in a spiritual battle for your destiny. But it's not only about you. It's about the next generation. If you're a young person today, someday you're going to have children. The decisions you make today about your life will impact your children. If you're a parent today, the decisions you make about your faith and following God and serving God and your generation will have a direct impact on your children and their future and their destiny and their life of prosperity and success. Listen, if you're a grandparent today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you as a grandparent today. Listen, you can do this thing. You can do this thing. You can live a life of faith. You can be an example. You can be a model to the next generation. Joshua understood this. He understood this, but he also understood that without God, he couldn't do this. The fact is you are today no power for the enemy of your soul that's lined up battles that you're going to have to fight. You're no match for it. You're no match. Peter says, Peter says that he's like a roaring, the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But John had this revelation. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Someone said, Amen. You see, God promises victory today. Joshua knew this. Joshua believed this. This promise that had been given to his forefather 600 years earlier. 600 years. I mean, we go back like, to the founding of our nation a couple hundred years with our president. You know, 230, 240 years. Maybe we go back to the Mayflower coming over and we got four or five hundred years and, I mean, we can't even imagine the amount of water that's flown under the bridge of history in the last 500 years just on our continent. Think of 600 years. He still, he still knew the promise. Joshua still knew the promise. He believed it. He believed that God was for him. See, this book, as we read through this book, I've read through this book many times this week. I've listened to the book of Joshua on tape. It has gone into my heart and got into my spirit. I am so, so convinced today that that spirit that Joshua had, that spirit that Joshua had, gives us a battle plan for faith to overcome our enemies and our life today. More convinced today than I've ever been. I want to give you three things that I see in this book as we... travel through our journey with the life of Joshua in order for us to live a victorious Christian life. The first thing that you got to know, the first thing that you got to know is that you got to trust in the promises of God. You got to put your trust in the promises of God. Look what God tells Joshua in chapter one, right here in verse number three. Listen, I will give you every place. I'll give it to you. Joshua believed it. Listen, not everyone around him believed it. Joshua believed it. Joshua believed that God was with him. You see, I will give you every place. And he begins to describe this territory, this massive territory. Do you know that they have never in their history inhabited this territory? At their, at their peak, at their glory years, under King David, they had about 30,000 square miles. That was over 2,600 years ago. Today, the nation of Israel, which has been rebirthed in 1948, comprises about 10,000 square miles. See, they never quite made it. 
God has a great destiny. God has a great plan for every person in this room. But the choice is up to us. I will give you every place. Then I want you to see what else about Joshua that stands out in my mind in verse number five. No one can stand against you. No one. Hear me today. No one can stand against you. No addiction, no poverty, no divorce, no reoccurring weakness can stand against you to keep you from what God has promised in your life. Hear me today. Come on, give God a hand. God did not create you to lose the battles of life. He didn't create you for that. God created you to win. This book has been called the book of conquest. When we look at Joshua's life, we see that he lived a life of conquering because he made a decision. He made a decision. He believed the promises of God. God's going to give me the land. God's going to, listen, God's, uh, every place I go, I'm going to, no enemy's going to stand against me. Nothing's going to conquer me. God said in verse number five, I will be with you. I will never forsake you. Look at verse number nine. Over and over and over, God says this. This is my command. Over and over and over. Five times in this chapter, God says, this is my command. Be strong. Be courageous. Hear me today. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, Joshua knew that God would lead him into the promised land. Do you know why he knew that? Because he knew that God believed in him. Hear me today. God believes in you. God believes in you. God believes in you. God believed in you so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to be our champion, to be our conqueror, to be our overcoming king. Hear me today. God believes in you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. God believes in you today. God is for you today. If God is for you, who can be against you? See, Joshua believed this. God, Joshua believed this. I want to help you today. I want to help you. So many of us. I, I, my sister posted a picture of my father. We were on our way to the gravesite at my mother's funeral. And as I looked at that picture this week, it was taken in November of 1985. My mind went back. You know how a picture just takes you back to a place in time. My relationship with my father was never easy. It was always a struggle. It was always a wrestle. There was always just a, seemed to be a conflict, especially as I was younger. It was never, never easy. And sometimes because maybe we've had a broken past with the relationship with the, with the parent, it's hard for us to really believe that God is for us. But you have a perfect Heavenly Father. I'm not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect anything. <laughs> I'm not a perfect Eugene. I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect dad or spouse. I'm doing a little better. Call myself Uncle Charlie around the house. You ever watch the show My Three Sons? Uh, uh, There's a character on there named Uncle Charlie. He does all the housework. And since my wife has been sick, I've taken over the duties. So got my little apron, call myself Uncle Charlie, washing all the dishes. My wife's like, I like this. She said that last night I was washing the dishes. She said, I like this. I like the new you. Uncle Charlie. Just call him out of the house, Uncle Charlie. God loves you today. God believes in you today. See, you and God make a majority. You and God make a majority in your life. See, Joshua knew that with God, nothing was impossible. Nothing was impossible. 
The fact is that you've got to trust the promises of God. You've got to believe it today. It isn't by osmosis. It isn't just happen. There was something tenacious about Joshua's prayer. When no one else believed. No one else believed. We heard it last week. They're all mumbling and complaining. Two guys, Joshua and Caleb, believed that the land that was full of milk and honey was theirs. The abundant life. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. To give it to you more abundantly. Jesus said it was yours. It's yours. Do you believe today? Joshua believed the promises of God. Paul says the promises of God are yes and amen to them that believe. But here's the deal. The promises of God are never automatic. The promises of God are never automatic. Just because you believe, just because you believe, doesn't make it so. You have your part. See, God has made provision. God has done everything that you, God has given you everything you have need of for victory. But you have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Joshua had a choice to make. That's where the battle begins. That's where the battle begins. Here, I want you to hear this today. You have a promise. You have a destiny. But you must expect many battles in this life. You must expect many battles in this life. In Joshua chapter 3, we see the very first test that Joshua and the people of Israel were going to have to pass. One of the reasons that I love the story of Joshua, because it's one of the only times in all of Israel's history that they were all in unity. They were all in agreement. We can do this thing. We got this thing. We got, come on, we, Zach, we got this thing. It was the only time as a people they believed that they got this thing. They all did. They went from being whiners to complainers. Something changed in their spirits. Their heart, Moses, passes on. Joshua begins to lead them. They see the Spirit of God on Joshua. And they believed it. Their first test was to cross the Jordan River. Everyone say, that's impossible. Their first step of faith was an impossibility. It was impossible. 600,000 fighting men, about 3 million people, all come up to the water's edge. They come up to the Jordan River. The Bible says it's its flood stage. And then God says, when I tell you, I want you to take all these people and cross over. Okay. Uh, they're not building bridges back then. There's no time to build a bridge. As a matter of fact, God said cross over. They had three days. They had three days to take those people across. Now, how are you going to do it? I mean, if you're the natural man, you're strategizing. Okay, well, maybe we get a bunch of long planks and we tie them together. And, but you've got three million people to get across. I mean, it wasn't, there was no way. They, well, we'll get a bunch of boats. Well, we're going to build boats here and we've got to be over in three days. How are you going to build enough boats for three million people? Well, we're going to go down to Wally World and buy them all and line them all up. No, 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 no. The Bible says that Joshua sent out the captains and he told the people, get ready. Get ready. For tomorrow, we're going to cross over. And Joshua chapter 3, I love, I love what Joshua says. He says, by this you shall know that the living God is among you. The living God is among you. The challenge of their faith was to not only believe God, but to honor God by doing what He told them to do. Here's the deal. You got the God factor on your side. You got the God factor on your side. God is not only with you. God is not only for you. 
God is in you. <laughs> He's in you. He's in you. The Bible says that we are children of God by His Spirit. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. The moment you accept Christ, the moment you ask God to take control, possession of your life, and become a person of faith, God's Spirit is in you. They had this thing called the Ark. You know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, and they got all that. They had an Ark which represented the presence of God. And they were to take the priest, and they were to go up to the water's front, and the priest with the Ark was to cross over first. You know, here's the deal. God doesn't live in a box any longer. God doesn't live in a box made by the hands of men. God lives in you and I, made by His very own hands. They got up to the water's edge, and the Bible says that the moment the priest with the Ark took their first step, the waters begin to part. Listen to this. All Israel, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, all Israel crossed over on, on dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Dry ground. It was flood stage. Everyone say impossible. But God makes the impossible happen when we're willing to believe. Here's the deal. Generally, in the life of faith, it looks ridiculous to the natural man. It looks ridiculous to the natural man, to your friends. Well, I'm going to this church down there, and they're talking to me about tithing and giving my first fruits to God. And they say, if I really do that, then I'm showing my trust in God, and God's going to meet my needs. The world says, you're nuts. You're crazy. It doesn't work like that. You've got to get as much as you can. Come on. All the church wants is your... You know what? But if God gets your money, He has your heart. And if He has your heart, He can bless you. He can bless you. Come on, He can bless you. I mean, there are so many things in the Bible. There are so many things in the Bible. It looks to be ridiculous. It looks to be ridiculous for God to restore that marriage. It was so broken. That family was so splintered. But then God factor shows up and begins to heal the brokenhearted. It looks to be ridiculous. A young man far from God, living in total rebellion. Nobody would have believed that he bowed his knee, bent his knee, and called on the Lord Jesus Christ. But today... 2014, May 17th, I stand before you today, a changed man. Come on, I stand before you today, a changed man. Because God is able to make the impossible possible to those who believe. Hear me today. Hear me today. Some of us have a problem. I call it an identity problem. It's an identity crisis. They had done some great things. These children of Israel, man, they crossed the Jordan. They're on their way, but they got a problem. They got a problem. They're still identified with the old way of life. This has got to be in the annals of history of military greatness and leadership. This has got to be the most incredible act that any general, the most incredible demand just about that any general ever put on a group of men. Children of Israel, they come out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt. While they're coming out of Egypt, they've all been circumcised. They've identified themselves in Egypt as the people of God. They're coming out of Egypt. And, and they begin to walk. They begin to cross the Red Sea. And all the things that God did for 40 years, the Bible says, they were in the wilderness. And while they were in the wilderness, the men that were born during that, during that time weren't circumcised. They weren't circumcised. And, and so Moses' generation passes away, dies off. Forty years later, all the men that served under, under Moses, they all are dead. And now the next generation has come up. 
the next generation, but they don't really know who they are. This is why it's so important, folks, that we as adults, we as parents, pass this on to our next generation. The greatest thing, the great, this is amazing. Joshua stands before the men and says, okay, guys, everyone listen up. We're almost there. We're almost on our way to the promise. We're almost on our way to take our cities and inherit our land. But I got, you know, one little problem. All the men got to light up. All 600,000 of you. And we got to get circumcised. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> everyone said, that's impossible. But they did it. That's a miracle. They did it because they believed. They believed that they were special. They believed that they were different. Peter says it like this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You've been called out of darkness and you've been transformed by His marvelous light. You're a new creation. You're a new person. Listen, God is in you now. You're not the old person. You're the new person. These children of Israel, they identified with the God of heaven. They lined up. They got on His plan. And once they got on His plan, there was nothing impossible for them. Someone said, Amen. They got a new identity. You got to see yourself differently. I want you to watch this video clip. I want you to see this person who really understands who their identity was and how it affected their life. This is my story. About two and a half years ago, I moved uh, from Southern California to Central Florida. And it was a very tough moment in my life because I had to step out of my comfort zone where I was born and raised and come to a place where I really didn't know anybody. Um, I have my family here and everything, but as an only child, my friends were my brothers and sisters that I relied on a lot back at home. And to know that to come here, I wouldn't have that. It was a struggle for me in the beginning, but I felt like God was really testing me and to put my faith in Him and to trust Him. And with time, God, you know, brought me to City Church, where I was able to find that family, that those friends that I really wanted to be able to have as my siblings. And coming here, you know, I was able to find that love and that that those people that I could really call my brothers and sisters and I was able to find City Church and allow it to be my new home. Come on, amen. Today, if you're going to step forward in the purposes of God, you got to get a new vision of your future. you got to get a new vision of your destiny. They had a preferred picture. They could see the promise that was before them. They had to be willing to do their part. The fact is today, the crucible of obstacles in your life will come again and again. Again and again. But they were people of faith. They would experience the power of God time after time after time. But then there would come a defeat. There would come a time when they did lose. It threw them off course. What happened? What happened? In Joshua chapter 8, there's a story of a man, or chapter 7, there's a story of a man by the name of Achan. And Achan blew it. God had said, listen, here's the deal, guys. God had spoken to them through His Word what He wanted them to do. He wanted them to believe. He wanted them to trust. But they had to do it His way. They were going to this city called 
Jericho. They were going to conquer the city. When they went into that city, they were to take all the possessions of that city. They were going to be theirs. They were going to bring them back to the treasury of the Lord, to the house of God. And they went into that city. And this man, Achan, he saw some gold, saw some fine stuff, some raiment, some clothing. And the Bible says that, that at that moment he saw it. Something in his heart, greed took over. He made a decision that would not only affect him, but affect his destiny of his children, his grandchildren, forever and ever. He grabbed that, he grabbed that stuff and he hid it. The Bible says that because of that, in their next battle, the whole nation lost the battle. The whole nation lost the war. It's one of the most sobering truths in the Bible. God is for us. God is for you. God's for you today. He loves you. He believes in you. You've got to make choices. You've got to make God kind of choices in your life. Achan touched the stuff. He, he took the gold. And because of that, he lost his life and the life of his family. fact is today, folks, there's a great high consequence to disobedience. Part of the struggle in my life is that my father is as a young father, made a decision not to serve the Lord. But my father finished strong. He came back to God at the end of his life, but he took a detour. And that detour brought a lot of pain in my family. A lot of pain. I want to help your parents today. Stay on God's plan. Don't make detours. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the Bible says that way leads to death. God is for you today. God cares. They would discover in this season of life the power of prayer. In Joshua chapter 10, <laughs> there's another great battle. Ten kings. God was so strong and so powerful in the life of Joshua and the children of Israel that it took ten kings, ten communities, ten cities to come together to try to overcome them. The Bible says that as Joshua began to fight against the Amorites in Joshua chapter 10, he understands that this battle is not dependent upon him for a strength, but upon the power of prayer. I love this. The Bible says in Joshua 10, 12, On that day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. And Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still. <laughs> Son, stand still. You won't take your place. There's never been another prayer like this in all of history. Joshua believed. When you begin to believe in your life, God will make the impossible possible. Sun, sand, still. That's a person of faith. People around you, they can't even believe what's happening. See, the prayer is your lifeline to God. It's your communion. It's your talking with Him. It isn't just a one-moment, one-time thing. It becomes the way you live. It's constant conversation with constant confidence that He hears you. See, God does hear you today. John says, this is the confidence that we have in Him. This is the confidence that when we ask in His name, He answers. Jeremiah says, call unto me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. Jesus Himself said it like this, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received, and you'll have it. Wow. That's a whole new... 
I was preparing that. I was reading that. I read those words of Jesus again. They just like slam me in the chest. Wow. Wow. Jesus said that when I pray, whatever I ask, if I believe, I'll receive it. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. But in order to receive, you've got to be in faith. You have to truly trust that where you are today, God is allowed. Number one, for your good, but ultimately for His glory. Finally, the last thing I want you to hear today. You've got to trust the promises. You will have reoccurring battles. But let me tell you, your whole life today is not about the battle or the struggle. That's not what this thing is about. Your whole life today is about serving God and your generation. This whole thing, this whole Christian life isn't about this constant struggle and how difficult, although it can be at times. This whole thing is about living out God's purpose in your generation. God wants you to finish strong. God wants you to finish strong. Joshua was 110 years of age, and God says to him, Joshua, your work isn't done yet. Joshua, yeah, you're old. Look at Joshua, Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Joshua, you're old and advancing years. Yes, but there remains much land yet to be possessed. <laughs> Finish strong. Paul the Apostle called it the fight of good faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Finish strong. Run your race. Complete the destiny. Don't stop. Don't stop. When hell's coming against you, keep advancing. Keep moving forward. You have a mer- purpose. You have a mission. I started this church. We had this saying. We used to do it every single week. It went like this. I have a purpose. My purpose is to win souls. I best fulfill my purpose when I'm with other Christians. I will never be satisfied until I'm fulfilling my purpose. I have no promise of tomorrow. Therefore, I will live my life fully for Christ today. Here's the deal. 110 years of age. You still got a purpose. You still got a destiny. God still has a plan. He's not finished with you yet. Come on, God's not finished with you. I don't care what mistakes, the past, any of that stuff. Listen, today is a new day in Christ Jesus. You're a new person. You have a destiny in God. God gives you victory today. God gives you victory. God told them, He said, listen, you remember everything I did for you. All the nations that I overcame for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. God fights for you today. God fights for you today. God's for you today. You don't have to do this thing on your own. You're not alone today. You can finish strong. (laughs) But how do you do it? Here's the key. Here's the key. Very last chapter. Very last statement from Joshua's life in Joshua 24. Joshua stands before the people. 2414, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates rivers and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You make a decision today to serve the Lord. (laughs) That's how you finish strong. Today. 
I make a decision to serve the Lord. I wake up tomorrow, I make a decision to serve the Lord. I get up Tuesday morning. doesn't matter what happened on Monday. Tuesday morning, I get back up. I'm going to serve the Lord. Wednesday comes. Oh, yeah, Tuesday was a difficult one. But today, I'm going to serve the Lord. Thursday, I'm going to serve the Lord. Friday, I'm going to serve the Lord. Saturday, I'm going to serve the Lord. And Sunday, when I gather together with God's people, it's going to be a great day of celebration. God is good. God is for me. I love to worship Him. I make a decision to serve the Lord. You got to finish strong, folks. I got to finish. It's my. It is my daily decision. I got lots of opportunities to jump off, just like you. I can feel the pull, the struggle, the challenge. I can feel it. It's the man that's my hero. He literally today. He's my hero. He's one of the great men of faith that I've ever known. His name is Brother Dick Iverson. Brother Dick Iverson is 84 years of age. When my wife was 12 years of age, her mother passed away. She had a sister who was 10, a sister who was 12, or she was 12, and she had a sister who was 14. At the age of 12, my, my wife's mother didn't have any place else to do with her kids, and she literally willed him to this man and his wife and his five daughters. My wife ended up in this man's home, a pastor of a church in Portland, Oregon, called Revival Center became Bible Temple, now called City Bible Church. I mean, here's a guy, he's got five daughters of his own, three daughters land, three girls land on his doorstep. This man took these three, these three girls into his home and then went to his congregation and said, we have these girls that need a home, placed them in foster homes. My mom, my wife became a foster child at the age of 12. It's an incredible story within itself. I met my wife at the school that he started. He started a Bible college in Portland, Oregon. In 1985, I went to the school. This man has always lived his life for the next generation. Uh, he retired from being the pastor of a, a local church 20-some years ago. But he is still pastoring, ministering, preaching. He now has over 3,000 pastors that identify with him as their leader. Hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of churches around the world have been started because this one man, this Joshua right here of faith, believed that God was with him. When he took my wife and her sisters into his home, he had no idea of the destinies that he would affect in Sanford, Florida. Because I met my wife. She grew up in his church. She became a daughter of purpose. Listen, if anyone has an excuse not to serve God, if anyone has, to, has an excuse not to believe that God is good, if anyone has an excuse, my wife has the excuse. But if you know my wife, if you've been, even this cancer that's come this last season, she believes, I mean, with all of her heart, she's just got a victorious way. She believes that God is good. God is for her. We're going to kick cancer's, she doesn't say the word but, she spells it. We're going to kick cancer's B-U-T-T. That's how we say it in our home. Let me tell you today, tell you. He's 84 years old. He's traveling the world. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching the gospel. Finish strong. I want you to stand with me this morning. I told Pastor Glenn I had to go five minutes shorter. I still didn't do it. How do you finish strong? 
you got to trust that God's with you. You got to believe His promises today. You're going to have battles in life. But this thing isn't just about the battle. This thing is about winning so that you can fulfill your destiny. You set your course to the end. As long as I breath in my lungs, I will praise Him. I will serve Him. That's how you do it. Close your eyes right now, right where you're standing. God's speaking to hearts. God loves you today. Maybe you're here in this room and you've never, ever, ever in your life completely surrendered to Him. You've never completely given your life to God. Today's your day. Today's your day. Today you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You're not even sure what that means. Don't even know what those words mean. It just means you simply surrender completely to God and His purpose for your life. If that's you in this room, there's no one looking. On a count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, anyone in this room right now? Come on, I see those hands. I see those hands. I see those hands all across this room. I see those hands all across this room. You can put your hand down. I want everyone to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you are for me. And I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the dead to live in me and to give me purpose. I surrender my life to you the best I know how at this moment of my life. Come into my heart. Change me. Help me to serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I believe, I believe this morning someone prayed that prayer. You really meant it. I believe you're taking your next step in God. God loves you. Come on, let's give a little hand clap this morning. God bless you. You may be